listening to the voices behind Women's Cricket Chat. That's Alex, Hannah, Georgie and Cassie. Coming up on today's podcast, we've got the Uganda women's coach, Suraj Karavadra. Now, Suraj is such a passionate advocate for the women's game in Uganda and he's just the most amazing person to speak to. He talks about how he has such a strong connection to Uganda because his father was born there and his father-in-law and it's just so great to hear someone be so passionate about cricket. Joining us today we have Suraj Kavaravadra and he is head coach of the Victoria Pearls which is Uganda's women's cricket team. Welcome Suraj. Thank you for having me it's an it's an absolute pleasure to be on. That's what we love to hear. I honestly when you said in your messages you've been listening I was like this is our kind of guy. We like I've been this guy. You guys for a while now, I think. Um, I think when I was in England, still when I was coaching with Leicestershire, I saw a lots of because you, you you guys covered a lot um, for the hundred and stuff like that as well, and obviously with the the Rachel Hayho stuff as well. So it was it was really quite. It was like a fan fan girl moment, you know. When oh, you love that. Messaged, I was like, yes, I'm finally on. <laughs> so yeah, obviously you're now head coach at the Victoria Pearls. How did that come about? So I've actually got links to East Africa. Both my parents and my in-laws, they're all from sort of Kenya, Uganda. Uh, my father was born here. My father-in-law was born here. And I've always sort of never been here in my life. I visited Kenya as a child, but that was just, you know, Mombasa and the resorts on the beach, you know, sort of things. Never really got to see the, the proper side of, of Kenya. And I've always been in talks with with the sort of CEO for a few years. We've always chatted and since I was in Dubai and stuff like that. So I was like, you know, definitely I, I do kind of see myself, you know, going back to the roots and, and sort of giving back. And uh, I've always sort of followed uh, East African cricket, especially women's cricket, as that's my sort of area. Yeah, and I've always saw the talent around here, you know. It's just the sort of supporting guidance is what they need. And, and I thought that that's where I could possibly help. We always like to ask this question to our guests, and it is just simply, how did you get into cricket, and specifically women's cricket? Ah, tough question. Yeah? I'm Indian, so I've got, I've got cricket in my blood. I've been playing probably since the age of three. My father played, there's loads of people in my family who have played high-level cricket in, in, in India. So I hate to say this on a podcast, but I think India comes first more than, than the three lions, so... Yeah, so cricket's always been that I've played throughout my childhood and sort of always wanted, in fact, my my interest has always been in sports psychology. So I have a big background in sports psychology. I went to university, did sports science and university, I'm not very academic, so it didn't quite work out for me. So I thought, well, let's let's go down the coaching route. And it just happened to be, I, I left uni and there was like an internship going on at Knott's. And I thought, dream come true. Like, dad used to take me to Trent Bridge as a kid. Like, this would be amazing. And it was like a three-month internship. And it was like community-based stuff. And it was really, really cool. Like, I really enjoyed it. Um, And then that was like over the summer period. And then sort of coming into the winter training, I was like, I want to get involved into the sort of county age groups. And it was literally just by chance. They were like, we need an assistant coach for the under-18 girls. And I was like, okay. Like, that's fine. Like, I'm happy to do it. Like, I don't mind. Because over that three months that I did with the internship, we did disability. We did young kids. We did so many different, diverse, different areas of cricket. And um, I actually really enjoyed the disability side of things. So, like, the table cricket and stuff. It was really cool. And we went to, like, a really big, like, SEN school in Nottingham as well. So, just 
you know, it was really, really sort of um, warming to, to see these, these children, in fact, you know, adapting to cricket in, in their own way. And it was really quite cool. So, yeah, so then I just kind of got into to women's cricket from that way. And, and I just kind of loved it, really, you know, talking about, I don't know why, I just, you know, I learned about so many different things about nail varnish, dry shampoo. It was just, you know, it was a complete eye-opener for me. So my, my wife loves it now. Like, she's like, you know, I don't need, she goes, what do you think of my nails? I'm like, cool, man. Like, it's always been the case. I mean, I've dived in and out of sort of men's cricket, boys' cricket. But, you know, for me, I always saw the, I, I felt as if that it was more of a niche market within women's cricket at the time when I first started there was that development that was needed there and I didn't quite agree with certain things why the boys got everything and the girls didn't get much and you know and obviously someone who kind of comes from a background of a lot of obstacles and barriers I thought well I'm kind of able to relate in a way so yeah that's that's the story. What I love about that is that you sort of discovered the beauty of women's cricket that we see as well and it's so nice it's not like a male ally as such you know but it's just amazing that this story of women's cricket and the power that it has can really influence you in that way and it just sort of clicked with you so two questions off the back of what you just said firstly what was it that just clicked you know was there a moment and what was it like coaching all those different aspects like disability cricket women's cricket how do you adapt to all of those yeah I mean and this is going to sound so cliche, but growing up in an Asian environment, we were told that, you know, females can't do a lot of things and all this sort of stuff. And I was so against all that. I am very close to my mother. So, you know, she she was like, oh, no, you make tea for yourself. You clean for yourself. You do the dishes, you know, all of this, do your washing and stuff. So, so for me, it was like I'd never actually seen. And honestly speaking, at my even my club, I grew up in Cambridgeshire. So even in my club, it was like, we never had any females that played cricket. Charlotte Edwards's club was like about 15 minutes away. So we knew about her, but there was no one else. And it was like, okay, so now I've come to county age group coaching and these girls are even better than the boys that I've actually played with. Like, they're so good. Like these girls actually, they can hit harder. They can dive around, you know? And I thought, this is where I want to be, you know? Because you find a lot of male coaches, they just want to dominate the men's game. And it's like, yeah, especially for someone of my sort of, you know, it's it's sort of, it's, you know, it's a, it's a difficult game to get into. So I was like, I just want to have an impact in the game, you know, and I just want to change lives. I want to make a difference and regardless of the gender, you know, and I really was able to, like I said, relate more with, with the women. So, and I forgot your second question. It was also, how do you adapt your coaching style when you're looking at women compared to men compared to disability cricket? How do you change what you're doing to adapt to those situations? It's really tough, you know. And um, when I was in Dubai, there was a lot of mixture between men and, and sort of women's cricket and boys and girls. And I find with, with, with boys, you can be very hard with them. You can be very, very tough on them. Whereas women challenge me. I like even, even these girls here, these ladies here, they really challenge me. Um, I really find, you know, a lot of people use the word sensitive. And, and, and I don't quite feel like it, that's the right word to use. I think it's just women challenge, you know, they, they, these players, these female cricketers, especially here, they really challenge you and they, and they really sort of ask why, you know, and, and the boys and the men that I've sort of questioned and st- or, or, or coached, 
they kind of just get on with it, you know, and whereas, and I love to be challenged, you know, my vice captain, the reason why we get along so well is she really challenges me, she questions me, and I say, why do you want to do this, why do you want to do that, and, and, and it really goes back to the basics of my coaching, like, you know, you really sort of, because I've coached with some coaches who just coach for the sake of it, because they just want to look good, um, whereas it actually takes you back and be like, you know, it really focuses on your planning, on your structure of your sessions and stuff, so, um, disability cricket I, I've not done for a few years now but again for me on that it was literally I mean I think even before going on to that for all three areas of the game the first thing was always about having fun you know whether it's performance cricket and and you, and you forget about that when it comes to high performance cricket you know when I was in the community side of things development side of things you know, you always thought, well, why, why are we keep playing quick cricket? Why are we playing the Lord's game? Why are we doing, you know, run out cricket? Like, you understand for those age groups, it's cool, you know, and it's fun. And then you get to high performance and it's obviously not the same games, but the, the, the sessions that you create above all, have, you have to enjoy it, you know? And, and, and that's something which I instilled in with the ladies at the qualifiers is because if you don't enjoy the game, we've got a big problem here, you know? You know, you've got to understand one of the biggest things that I used to say was, what is the why? You know, so what is, why are you here? What is the reason for you to be here? You know, and the answers I got back were all very cricket related. And I was like, no, I'm not asking for a quick, what is the why? It could be anything. It could be parents. It could be getting out of, I've got one of my fast bowlers that wants to come to England. And I looked at it and I said, it rains a lot. <laughs> so she's literally one of our, like, I must say she's, after the qualifier, she's probably one of the fastest bowlers in Africa. She's she's taller than me, and I'm six foot one, you know. And she's it's it's crazy. And, and our ambition has always been to come to England. And I was like, I'm here. Like I've come from England to here, and I do want to go there. Like you know. So it's it's you really sort of you know make sure that they have to have to enjoy the game. And whether it's disability cricket, whether it's you know men's boys, I think that's the foundations and then you sort of build upon that so what's your why just on that my my why was that um i wanted to give back i wanted to come back to my 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 father and my grandfather's country and i just wanted to give these girls what i was given as a child you know and you know i've got a sponsor luna cricket who sponsored me individually but has sent over loads of kit for the girls and these are like player edition bats these girls are like I've never seen these many grains on a cricket mat. You know, the gloves and stuff like that. You know, I really sort of try and, you know, use my networks and get videos from different coaches from around the world and players that I've coached and really make them understand that, you know what, Uganda's on the map. Like, people know about Uganda. Like, you're not a very small country. Like, you girls have done so much before even I've got here. So this is your proof. And they've literally, like, because we had a 42-day lockdown literally two weeks after I arrived so it was like no cricket no nothing so for me it was like I need to make sure these these ladies are, are, are mentally in a good space so just every week I'm sending them all these different videos and stuff and clips of different people that I've spoken to and it really made them think well hold on yeah SK you're right people know about us you know from all different corners of the world because these girls are very focused and, and they're, they're very focused on Africa so they only feel like African countries know about them yeah, in 2000, I think 2018, they, they played the, uh, the Globals in the Netherlands and played a few of the, the European teams. But still, like Vanuatu, they know about it. They're like, where's Vanuatu? It's like the other side of the ocean, like, you know, really, really far away. It takes hours to get to. They're like, 
Okay, so they sent us a video, like a, they dedicated a, a two-mile punishment, a two-kilometer punishment run to, to our girls. And they were like, we're going to send them a five-kilometer punishment run to them, you know? So, yeah, I think it's, so for me, it's about just trying to give them everything that I've sort of given. Because, like, you know, for us, like, we could afford spikes. Like, these, you know, you really see the, the sort of deprivation these girls have, you know? And it's like, just, just from spikes. The same fast ball I was talking about, she never had spikes, you know, and I'm like, you're my fastest bowling. You need spikes on your feet, you know, and just trying to make them understand that, you know, wearing stuff like that makes a different thing. Helmets, you know, even helmets, you know, we they all wore helmets. They had to wear helmets in the qualifiers, you know, and again, it was a, it was a complete different cultural change for them, you know, so just really about giving them as much as I can that what I was given. So that's my, that's my way. The push from my family as well. Like my wife was probably more happy than I was when I got the job. I'm like, I was literally like, uh, I'm I'm a panicker. So I was like, oh, what about this? What about this? And she was like jumping for joy. She was like, I was like, are you trying to get rid of me? Or are you really? So I think I, I think it was you know the support from the family as well because we don't talk about East Africa anymore. You know, it's been 50 years since they left, and it's just like a closed chapter. Now that I applied, got the job, I'm here everyone that I speak to they just talk about it so it's really nice it's really nice one of the things that I really like connected with what you said is about South Asian heritage and how you want to be really proud of that which of course you should be what importance uh, do you think there is of Uganda having a women's team like how important do you think it is for little girls to aspire to be a Ugandan cricketer it's massive like you know for me since I've been here, I've always said to everyone here, the first thing we need to do is congratulate these ladies because they're representing their country. Now, to represent your country is one thing, but to re- represent your country as a female, that's another thing. And that should be a commendable effort, you know. And, and it's fantastic to see the amount of females that play cricket here, even other sports. You know, I, I interact with basketball quite a lot, the female basketball players, even the rugby guys as well. So it's, it's, it's really, it's a massive impact. You know, you look at, the other East African sort of countries as well. And, and they're also doing really well, you know, leaving Kenya to the side because they've got their, their history and, you know, they've got their years of cricket. But, you know, you look at Rwanda, you look at Tanzania as well, and it's, um, it's, it's really cool to see. And one thing for me is obviously equality. You know, you want to make sure you match up equality. And, and you see Rwanda moving in that direction and people, people are like, Rwanda, like, it wasn't that the film that came out many years ago. Like, you know, it wasn't, you know, the people don't know much about it. So it's like, you know, you, you literally see that they're, they're, they're trying to make efforts to, to match up, you know, men and women and the equality. And, and I think that's definitely what we need to be doing as well. So, you know, we want to look at contracting these ladies as well coming the new year, you know, and, and just basically matching everything that the men. So I, I get along very, very well. I work very closely with the men's head coach. So, I know exactly what the men get. So I've really focused on saying, right, if the men get that, we need to get it as well. And, uh, and I think that's what they need. They need that person to drive that. Otherwise, you know, you're going to struggle. You're definitely going to struggle. Yeah. And so you mentioned contracts. I'm guessing there isn't any such thing like that with the women's side at the moment. What is your projection and hopes for the future on that front, especially like looking ahead to the next year of cricket? So at the moment, they do get paid. They're just not on a contract. So they get paid session by session. We were on a, a very difficult five-week bubble, including the qualifier. So it was it was very tough, but they also got paid for that as well, as well as the tournaments. But 
from what I found out from these guys, and, and for me, I'm very big on sort of well-being and athlete welfare. So I actually took the time to sort of go around and see the girls, their, their sort of living accommodations, where they stay, their home situations and stuff. And for them, it's, it's security. I mean, this is a country of poverty. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. So it's, it's so sad to see some of these girls who, you know, I've got two of my players, both in the fast bowling department, who work night shifts. So they literally, they finish their shift in the morning, they go home, get changed, they come to training, they train all day, they finish and they go straight to work. And it's like, I'm like, you're half asleep. <laughs> like you, you need to, you know, so I'm that type of coach where I'm like, you know what, go have a power nap for two hours. Don't worry about training, just go, go have a power nap because I want, to, I want you to get your, I, I need you 100%. You're a national team cricketer, you know. So a lot of them. Suddenly, there's players everywhere going. I want him as my coach. I want a two-hour power oh, nap. I'm, I'm open in a few years. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think it's just more about trying to make sure that um, they have that security. And I think that's what a lot of them have said because you know, some months they will get paid X amount, then the next month they get paid a bit less, a bit more. Now they've got accommodation rent that they need to fork out for. I mean. The average salary in Uganda is roughly between 300 to sort of 600,000 shillings, which is about the average of 80 pounds a month, you know, and 40 pounds goes towards their, their accommodation with their bills. I mean, their electricity is two pounds, you know, so it's, it's cheap on that relevance, but, you know, it's still, they need to earn a, a substantial amount, you know, so getting into the sort of the contract side of things, you know, being contracted, it gives them that security that every month they've got enough to sort of keep aside, to save. Like, also for me, I'm trying to educate them on how to sort of save money, invest, that sort of thing. Otherwise, at the moment, they're sort of living month to month. You know, we've all been there and, you know, you've always needed that one person to say, look, you need to invest in this or that. And here, the end goal always tends to be buying land and then building on it. So buying land here isn't that, that expensive. It's just building. So that's their end goal. I mean, for, for people like us, it's like buying houses and sort of being stable in life. So or buying that Mercedes that you want. So there's all these luxuries. So for, for, for me, coming here, it's like, you know, you really understand the luxuries. Like I was really, really scared today because coming back to the apartment, I've not had any power all day. So power went at 5 a.m. this morning. So like, I literally like, I was, I've, I've been up since 5 a.m. Um, no, the fan, has, we don't have AC, I don't have AC here, so it's just literally relying on the fan, and I was like, all day, there's no electricity, so I was like, I hope there's enough electricity to power my laptop and then do this, you know, so, yeah, so you really have to relate to, to all of those factors, and hopefully, you know, there's, there's talks of trying to at least start off with sort of seven players, you know, contracted, um, but I really want to support the, the ladies who are in education, who are in work, um, so thinking about sort of part-time contracts and that sort of stuff, because we've got a lady, in fact, she's, she's actually part of the ICC mentoring program and she's getting mentored by the England women's coach. So she studied in England. Got What's her name? Uh, her name is Naomi Kayondo. So she studied at Nottingham, at uh, not Trent, out of, all, out of all universities, Trent, you know. She went there and, you know, she, she obviously came back with a, a foreign degree and got a very good job. Now, how can someone like her give up her job? I can't ask her to give up. I would never ask her to give up her job because she's getting paid a, a very good amount just to play full-time cricket. So now it's just like balancing it out for her and being able to 
to be flexible and create, you know, individual, you know, individual sort of contracts for certain people. So that's my vision. That is my vision that I want to get to. You know? I want to touch on something because obviously in England we have the domestic setup, we have the regional setup. So I was just wondering, is there something like that in Uganda? Or if not, how does it work when it comes to selection for the team? We do have a domestic system here. It's probably not as robust as what we have in England. It's obviously one less of a tier. So obviously we have club cricket, then obviously county, whatever. Here, you basically just have club and then sort of straight into the national camp. Um, so we've got about six, seven teams in the domestic circuit. So, we, you know, we just sort of... Um, I think the cutoff for ICC events is about five or six teams. So we do have a lot. Now, the problem is Uganda is such a large country that cricket is, is, is played in the sort of bigger cities because where, you know, the, the British schools were, you know. Um, now, this weekend, I'm, I'm heading off to another sort of district, which is Soroti, which they've actually got a cricket academy. So they're the only cricket academy in Uganda, Soroti Cricket Academy, where about half of our girls come from. It's not a very big city. It's like a, it's what we would call probably like a village in England, but they, they're producing really good talent. And ever since I've been here, I'm just hearing about this academy and I was like, I need to go down. I need to see what's going on. And fortunately it's Independence Day on Saturday and they've got a big tournament and a you know, big day of cricket. So I get to see a, a lot of my, of my players and some new players as well. So personally, I feel like the, the domestic system could be better which is where, you know, I would try and improve it as much as I can. But from, from the domestic stuff, we then have like a, something called the Elite T20 League, which obviously like the best players that will come out and they will obviously compete in teams. So that's something which I'm looking to, to sort of carry on here, but kind of turn it more into like a franchise tournament without all the money and gizmo. Just keep it cricket, <laughs> you know, just, just keep it quality cricket. We are so uh, there. Yeah, you know, just 100%. When it happens, I'll give you guys a call. Don't worry. You, you have to make a trip. There. I mean, uh, we have a problem getting back to England, though. because I don't want to come back to England anyway. So that's uh, fine by me. Absolutely perfect. We can sort that out. Of course, it's so, uh, And if you play, we can get you involved because I want to try and get international players in as well. You know, at least a couple of internationals per team, you know, it can work. There we go. We're in. Sorted. Uh, I'm going to write it down now. I'll write it on my calendar on the wall, yeah? Cool. It's, it's done. It's done. So, And then from there, we then select uh, into, we then create the, the, the team of something like 2024, 20, and then we go into our camp. Um, so what happened with the Botswana stuff, we, we went down to 20. So we went into a, a bubble of 20 players because I was very, very consistent on trying to, or persistent on trying to keep it quality. So even if it's, you know, just 20 players, are, you know, we can at least do practice games of 10 aside. You know, I just want to keep it quality cricket. And then we cut it down to sort of 14 for the for the tournament. So it's a, it's definitely a process that can work. I do want to, ideally, I would like to do like regional stuff. But again, majority of our players come from Kampala, Jinja, Soroti. So it's like literally central going all the way to east. So unless you do like a, a three, three team tournament, which can work as well. So there's, there's ways around it. And on the topic of tournaments, are you looking ahead to the Commonwealth Games? Will we be seeing you there? I was waiting for this. I mean, I did say to the girls, I'd love to show you the, the beautiful sights of Birmingham, uh, wherever they are. <laughs> I'd definitely like to show you. Um, and the canal, definitely... the canals are nice. 
Yeah, you've got Mosley as well, some parts of Mosley, you know. I've got a lot of family in Birmingham, so like Spark Hill and Walgreens. I mean, you know, that's Solly Hall. That's all I can sort of vouch for, you know. I mean, Solly was not Noel Cricket Club. Noel Cricket Club has a lot of stars coming from there. Is he Wong? Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm not talking about Warwickshire, you know. I'm talking yeah. about... So, yeah, I, you know, we've, we've accepted the invitation. Now, obviously, the, the, the sort of where the problem lies is it all sort of falls down onto the association to fund for it. Now, we're obviously a, an association which don't have a lot of money um, around us. So, I mean, traveling to, to Malaysia anywhere you are, even from England, it's very, very expensive. And I heard even the quarantining and stuff is quite expensive. But we're quite fortunate that our Commonwealth Committee should support us in some sort of way. So we're just sort of in talks with them to try and find out how they can sort of support. Because I, I definitely want to be there. You know, I mean, looking at the teams and stuff, you know, we've got a few teams in, in the sort of African nations and African countries. But also, you know, just to compete at a global stage would be would be fantastic. You know, just, just for people to say, oh, those girls in yellow look very good. You know, or these players, that fast bowler, that batter, you know, those are the wins that we have. And honestly, any way we can help in any way possible, we would... Totally love to see you all there because that is that's what these kind of games are about bringing all of the nations in and giving everyone that chance and we if you can't see the people from Uganda playing cricket then how are we going to know they're doing it how are they going to improve and how are we going to get the funding for a side that has obviously got so much potential and such a passionate coach even with this uh, the fair break stuff that's going on the, the global stuff you know my vision is I want to at least get two or three of my girls into there you know make sure that they're you know they're, they're competing in these sort of you know, that's the only way people are going to obviously get to know about these players and stuff. And we've got a, uh, a batter who's probably, I think she's in the top five emerging batters in Africa. So, you know, she's very, very good, you know. So it's like, you know, we've, we've definitely got potential. We've got that talent to compete at those top levels. You know, I mean, we beat Zimbabwe uh, a few years back. I mean, we only just lost to them in the, common, uh, in the qualifiers. But we don't need to go down that route. We've, beat, we've beaten some really good teams in the past. Thailand as well. I mean, look at the sort of strides that they've made as well over the years. So, but, you know, it all, it all goes down to making sure you play more games outside the continent. You know, I mean, UAE want to play us, Oman, Qatar, Nepal, Malaysia. Like, there's so many people that I've contacted that really want to. I mean, even Leicestershire, you know, <laughs> having worked for Leicestershire, even they want to they bring the girls to Leicester. And I was like, yeah, again, I mean, you know, Leicester, I don't know where you're going to, you know, where you're going to keep them. <laughs> you know, I can keep them at my parents' house, but, you know, there's a, there's some nice, again, there's some nice canals in Leicester, you know, some nice locks and stuff. So there's a space museum as well, you know. But. So, yeah, so it, it would be, you know, I think that's, that's where we want to be. We definitely want to be at the, the Commonwealth Qualifiers. And one thing that's so evident and so great about you is your passion for women's cricket and specifically the Ugandan women's cricket team. Where does all this passion come from? I don't know. I think it's just, you know, it's the same thing. My wife says the same thing. She's like, you're so passionate. And um, I think I rubbed off on her on these qualifiers because she she literally, I, I, was, I was saying to Georgie that, you know, I was in Dubai for 10 days and meeting my wife after four months. And it was like, have you bought my shirt? I was like, what shirt? She was like, the, the yellow shirt. I was like, yeah, yeah, I've got your Uganda shirt. Don't worry, don't worry. So like, you know, I think it's just just the love of the game. I have, I just have that love for the game. And, you know, just when you, when you see people who have that love, but they can't progress, I think for me that kind of hit home, hits home because, you know, we've never been in that sort of environment. And, 
you know, when I've coached in India as well, at very, very sort of, again, you know, free academies that don't have much equipment, you know, I kind of use my life savings to sort of donate to them and say, you know, just get yourself a few things just to sort of get you going. And, and I feel like that's what people need. You need that sort of stepping stone. And, and I've been quite fortunate that I've had good mentors across my sort of journey as well. And for women's cricket, I, I just, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I just, like I said, I just see, I, it's, it's probably more to do with, you know, the, the barriers and everything that they face. And even more so in Africa, you know, because it's a very, very similar culture to what we have in India and stuff. And just sort of being able to sort of, you know, just give them that push and say, no, it's okay. It's okay to be a cricketer. It's okay to be a sportsman, you know, a sportswoman. And you're not going to be sort of, you know, struck, struck down by it. And, you know, you don't have to be a housewife. And, you know, you see a lot of that here. You know, I, I've even got, I've even got sort of two players on my team who are single mothers. And, you know, and it's about sort of trying to, to aid them. And there was a lot of chat in sort of Botswana where one of, one of the teams brought their newly born baby with them one of the players and it was like you know there was mixed emotions and I was like why you know at the end of the day you've got to support that you know regardless to whether it's her baby whether it's her partner you know you see it you see it all across the world you know you're allowed to have your families around and now she's a newly born baby she needs she and I give it to that player I, you know I 100% support that player that you know you're you're you've just given birth you want to represent your country in a qualifier and, you know, and, and I was really, it was so nice to see. It was so nice to see. That is honestly one of the most amazing things I've heard in a while. Yeah, it's, it's like, no, but it's just like you really have that understanding for what it is that women have to go through to play at an elite level and yes. to be a mother, but to also manage that, but to carry on doing what you love. But, and you as a coach have really, it's so evident that you've taken time to really take that into consideration and be like, you know what? Just because you play cricket doesn't mean you have to completely get rid of that side of your life. And just because you've had a baby doesn't mean you don't have to play cricket. You're very good at encompassing all of that. And how do you manage training around those kind of things? You know, we've got periods and motherhood. And obviously, as a man, these aren't things that you have to go through. But it is something that you're obviously so good at incorporating and learning about and understanding into your passionate role as a coach. I was literally unemployed for one year when I went back to England. So... It was like, what do I do sort of thing. Me and my wife started up a, a restoring vintage bicycle company, which was really cool, out of my parents' garage. So it was really good. But then, you know, one thing that my wife said to me was, you've got to stand out. Everyone's going through a similar situation as you. Now, you go apply for jobs when everything opens up. What have you done in the meantime? Apart from sitting at home, fiddling with brake pads and cables, you know. And I was like, no, you're right, you know, so I've got to be a step ahead of the game. So I started doing all these different courses and stuff. I did a course on mental health and I actually did a, uh, I think it was with UK Sports, the menstrual, menstrual cycle and participation. There was loads of women that were on the course, but there was actually good to see a handful of men that were on there as well. So it really sort of helped me understand, like previously, I, you know, I would literally be like, oh, you know, the player comes up to me, ah, oh, coach. I'm not feeling too well, got a stomach pain. So for me, it'll be like, you know, and naturally so, like it's, you know, I'm not defending myself, naturally so, but like, oh, just, just keep running, like you're fine, don't worry, keep running. And, or you do the opposite and say, oh, just take a sit out, you know, sit out, have something to drink. Now, when you feel comfortable, come back in again. Now, doing this course really made me understand that, you know what, it's the language that you use. 
because that can be quite detrimental, you know. And if you come straight up saying, oh, is it your period? Does he tell me, you know, you, you can't do that. It's quite a sensitive topic. So it's really sort of, you know, we had a few, we had a few girls in, in Botswana when we had, oh no, in Entebbe, when we were in the bubble before the qualifiers, we had a, um, a pool day. Now a lot of the, few of the girls didn't join in. Now we've got two females on our technical staff, the team manager and the physio. So obviously they already knew that this was, you know, they were they were going through their period. And so I was like, so the first instinct was, oh, why are they not joining in? Have they not got their swimsuits? And even before I could get her to answer, I was like, ah, is it? And then they were both so shocked that I actually, as a man, actually thought of that so quickly, you know? So kind of when it comes to training and stuff, what I'd say to my players is, if you're able to come to training, you can come, but just observe and watch what's going on. You know, I'm not going to force you to get involved. Just still be around the environment. If it means you want to come down for a couple of hours, that's fine. If you don't, that's absolutely fine. But also you've got to understand that you don't want them to take the mic as well. All right. And, and that, that does happen as well. So, you know, in terms of sort of motherhood and, and that sort of stuff, I encourage the two girls to bring their kids to training because it's really cool to have them around. You know, they're all just little toddlers running around, you know, getting... You know, and everyone kind of treats them like they're children. So they'll get involved, get some bats, get them throwing balls to the, the, you know, the children and stuff. And it's, it's, it's really quite cool to have them around. Now, yeah, so we, we've, we've actually, re before I came on board, there was, a, there was another cricketer. She, she actually gave birth. Now, not seen her since. Now, a lot of people talk about her not coming back and all of this and her not knowing how to come back and stuff. So it's about making her understand that, you know, you can still come back. I mean, we come from a, a culture where people get married and leave the game for a little bit. People have kids that leave the game for a bit. Now, you know, it, it's stuff that it's part of life. You know, it's all part of life and you can't stop someone from being human is, is what I kind of call it, you know, and you've got to be able to, to sort of support that um, and just being able to give them that break when they need to. So even if the, 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 the ladies at the moment who have got kids who actually need to take time out because they need to focus more time. I mean, one of the girls has um, their child staying with somebody else and stuff like that, you know, while she was with us in Botswana and the, and the three-week bubble in Entebbe. So for five weeks, you've not sort of seen your child. And, and for me, I always sort of try to get to know them personally. So like every day, I'm like, oh, you know, how's, how's, your, how's your child? How's your son? And, and she was like, yeah, he's okay. I'm trying not to sort of speak to him too much because I'll miss him. And, you know, it's, you know, plus she's a single parent as well. So it's like that added sort of uh, pressure and sort of thing. So it's just, the, the whole culture here is so different. It's so different to what sort of we see back home. And, um, and you really want to do something about it. You know, you really want to make that change. And I mean, if I, I don't think I've gone a day here where I've not met someone and I thought, a hundred quid would go so far for this person, you know, and we're, we're quite, you know, we, we take for granted that we can pop down to JD Sports and buy some 60 quid trainers and 70 quid trainers and, you know, that can, that can go so far here. It's unbelievable. It's very humbling when you think about it. It's one of those things, but also you mentioned earlier that you went out and bought stuff for people and were like, you know, you need this. And actually something like that is, it might, you know, it's just one thing, but to someone that makes such a phenomenal change. Like when you said they had to have helmets and they didn't have helmets before, we all know the impact of getting hit in the head and what can happen and how important it is to have that right gear. And like 
you've got players over here, they head off to a game and they can barely carry all their kit. They've got so much. And it's incredible to hear of you and Luna Cricket uh, helping support these women with the equipment that they need to not only play the sport, but to play it safely. Yeah, of course. You know, and like, like this, that one of those girls who, well, the other one who's got the child, she's probably about four years old, her daughter is, and classy, I took, I took her to KFC for lunch, you know. Classic coach that I am. Yeah, let's go for games. I mean, they don't have that sort of thing. That you got to get the games in. Everyone needs some protein. Yeah. I mean, every other country I've coached in, they're like KFC. That's really unhealthy, greasy food. Here, they they're like, yeah, this is amazing. So I was like, awesome. I'm in the right place. Went for KFC. Then I was like, right, call your mom. I'm coming around. She was like, coach. Like I was like, yeah, call your mom. I'm coming around. So gave her my phone. She called her mom. She's like, coach is coming around now. She lives in a very being sort of politically correct, it's a little bit like a slum, a slum area. And now this slum area has produced some of the most amazing sports athletes or athletes in general in Uganda. It's so crazy because it's right opposite an area called Lugogo where the cricket, the rugby, the hockey, everything, that basketball, everything is that. So anyway, so I went down and, you know, met her mother and stuff. And um, she took me to where she stays, which is just across the road. And um, we sat in her, which actually looked like a shed, right? Um, it was a very small room. She had a bed. She had like a little area where she puts her vegetables and stuff. And they hang their clothes up on like the rail at the top. And, and I'm just sort of sitting there and I'm like, I've been here for 30 minutes. And I've seen probably 40, 50 kids running around here. You know, and, and for this, this, this player of mine, she, she always makes it into the camp. But she can't, she doesn't. She's, she's going through a journey and a process in her training where she, she just needs to sort of cross that line and get into the national team. But everyone considers her as a national player in that area, which is, which is brilliant. I said to her, I was like, put yourself into your daughter's shoes, who's four years old. I said, you, started, you picked up a bat when you were like 12, 13. Now put yourself in your daughter's shoes. If you gave her a bat at four, where do you think she'll be at the age of 12, 13? Or give her a football or whatever it is, right? Now she was like, yeah, you're right, coach, you're right. So, so I said, you see what I'm getting at? She was like, yeah, I've thought about doing things here, but I was like, there's loads of parents that come up to me and say, oh, when are you going to start cricket sessions with the kids? When are you going to start this and that? And she was like, the only thing that stops me is I haven't got equipment. I said, tomorrow, meet at the supermarket. And she was like, okay, went to the supermarket. I spent, what, 30 pounds? I bought tennis balls, cones, a couple of footballs. I mean, we know these kids are not going to play cricket for an hour. So I was like, you know, do 30 minutes cricket, 30 minutes football, and you're done. And she was like, okay, that day she went back. She got seven kids. There's like a, a basketball area, concrete basketball court. She got seven kids just doing some basic throwing, catching, that sort of stuff. I said, okay, cool. Next time she got 12 kids. And I was like, okay, brilliant. So then I went to the development guys at UCA and I said, I need a bag of plastic kit. I mean, they didn't blink twice. I mean, I could have taken anything I wanted, but they were like, you know, just a, a bag of plastic kit. That's all I need. So gave me a big bag, stumps, bats, everything, balls, called her to the office. I said, this is for you. And she opened the bag and it was like, that same day she went back out. She had about 18 kids, 18 kids. And I was like, this is amazing. Like you've, you've utilized your time really well, especially during the lockdown period, you know, where people, kids are not at school. So getting them to an area and actually doing some form of sports, for me, that was the biggest thing. So she got to that point 
So then I put her onto my my coaching company, SK Cricket Coaching. So I now support her with any equipment that she needs and that sort of stuff. I gave her branded stuff and all the SK Cricket Coaching branded stuff. And she loves it. She's literally like, these kids, this is what they wanted. Now, then I said to her, I said, I'll tell you what, you're also a national team player to me. Now, when you're on national duty, what are you going to do? Because you can't just stop. You've, you've stopped the momentum. So I said, I'll tell you what you do. Create an Instagram page. Now, you've done that. I'm going to put it on my Instagram, blew up. She got three other cricketers that she used to play with say that they want to help, two of which don't play national cricket anymore. So I was like, there you go. You've got two people now that can take over when you're not around and you keep it going. And in fact, you kind of turn into like a development officer. So okay, you could go from one slum to another slum and just keep it going around Kampala. And I said, your, and I said, there are charities out there that would support this, you know, that would really help you in developing this sport, you know. And it's a really big thing here in Uganda. Sports is such a big thing. And, and it's changed her life completely, you know. And um, just giving her that, that equipment, it was just, just, just the way that she looked at it, it was like, it was like getting a puppy for Christmas. It was amazing, you know. It was really quite, it was really quite, you know, heartwarming. And it really just, it felt really good to do something like that. And I mean, you know, 30 quid, you know, that's literally all I really put into it. And then, you know, I saw the passion that she had because I was a bit like, ah, maybe she's not going to do it or, you know, now if she doesn't do it, it's okay. It's only 30 pounds. But she went all guns blazing day one, which was really good, really good to see. And, and she's still, she's still continuing it on now. But like stories like that, that is why you do what you do. And it's things like that. Obviously, we everyone loves to win a trophy. Everyone loves to go home with a medal. Yeah, great. But for people, there's, you know, you get people in England, you take your medal home, you hang it up on the mantelpiece above your fire, which is next to your radiator, which is fueled by this, which you then had your roast meal next to. But for other people, you win things like that. And it's about going home, feeding your family, looking after your kids. And, yeah. but at the same time, the pride in playing for your nation. So it's just astonishing that a sport like that can just spread so far across the world and reach such different ends of a spectrum yeah. talking to people like you and getting your kind of stories is what is so amazing about cricket about women's cricket and hearing you talk about it like that is just it's one of those you know like fire burning inside kind of moments yeah I mean you know it's the same thing what the the men's head coach said to me when I first arrived they went to this area of Uganda called uh, Kasese which is west Uganda so it kind of borders um, Rwanda now, undiscovered area, they've got cricket happening there. They've got a cricket wicket there, and no one knew this. And it was an old cricket wicket in, like, in a, in a valley, literally, just surrounded by mountains. It was such a beautiful place. He even, he even WhatsApp called me and was like, check this out. And I'm like, this looks beautiful. And the, the amount of kids, even girls that were there playing cricket, was just, it was just amazing to see. You know? It was just so amazing. And he was like... This is gonna come play for you soon. This is gonna come play for you. She's gonna come play for you. I was like, he's just out there scouting for you. Yeah, literally, you know. So it was, now that's what I've got to do on, on the weekend. So it's and obviously you've only been part of the Uganda team as coach for a short time. Where do you see the Uganda national women's team going over the next couple of years? And what developments do you hope to see with the team? So we're currently 18th in the rankings previously were 14th before COVID and all of that. So my aim is to at least sort of get them back to that 
that level in the two years that I'm here. What I want to do is trying to sort of implement a high performance structure for women, which sort of you look at, we've traditionally had under 19s and stuff like that before, but what happens is there's never, it never works side by side. It's like under 19s, then that sort of dissolves. Now those players come into the national team, then that sort of like stops and then goes back to the 19s. So trying to make sure that there's a setup for just a, a separate setup for the under 19s, the A team as well and then the national women's team. So really replicating the same high-performance program as, as the men. I really want to sort of, as I said before, really want to try and get them playing outside of Africa, um, but also try and get invitational coaches in as well to sort of deliver masterclasses and stuff like that, which will be quite beneficial because even the men's team haven't quite had it as well, you know, just to sort of really get some knowledge from other people. Even if it means that we, we go to the UAE for like a seven-day training camp or something, you know, just to kind of expose them to different conditions. Because if we want them to be one of the best teams in Africa, they've got to be able to be exposed to different types of conditions. Now, if you look at, forgetting about South Africa, if you look at Zimbabwe is probably being the top one at the moment, how can we compete against them? Now, we do give them a fight. We've seen that, but they're also playing against, you know, the islands, Thailands and stuff. So, you know, that's where we want to be. Where We're playing regular bilateral series or triangular series and stuff like that as well. But we have the Quibuka as well, which is which is a yearly thing, which we just missed out on this year due to COVID, where a few of our players and the head coach couldn't dodge COVID. So it was it was literally like two weeks in, welcome to Uganda. Like, yeah, here we go. I was like, I've survived COVID in the UK, you know, and then I come here and it's like, I was so like, in denial, I was like, no, I've not got it. I've not got it at all. And luckily, my wife threw in a few of the uh, the rapid tests into my suitcase. I was like, yeah, I'm going to try it. But I was asymptomatic, which was okay. But, you know, so we've got the Kwebuka, which will happen again, which is, again, an invitational series for, for countries. And then we have the Victoria Cup, which is what we, what we host. Uh, again, an invitational one for African nations. Get us involved. We're keen. You know, send things our way and we can try and boost the coverage of that because that sounds awesome. 100%. 100%. I'll get you ladies on it for sure. Yeah, we're always keen for anything like that. So, yeah, so that's your plan over the next few years. But since you've been in your position of power with the, used to be the Lady Cranes, the now Victoria Pearls, what is that like one highlight? Is there something you can be like, that is my favourite moment so far that really sticks? For me favorite moment would possibly be in the qualifiers where my fast bowler bowled two overs picked up two wickets but no runs I was like I've never ever coached a team where a player had done that I can't tell you who it was against but I remember saying to her that was probably the most amazing and she also in the same I mean she's not even a bat that she even scored 21 or 18 balls in one of the games. It was like, where did this come from? <laughs> like you can, She literally played like she was an Indian cricketer from the 90s. Like she was so wristy. You know, I started calling her Azaruddin. And she was like, what are you talking about, coach? I'm like, don't worry. Just keep going with those wrists. Keep going with those wrists. So, and I you're just me, sat there like it. swooning over it. But like, oh. And they're I'm just like, like coach, <laughs> what are you on about? Yeah, it's, I've had a lot of good moments over these four months. For me, it's those little wins as well where, you know, there's little successful moments where players start to understand you. And, they, and not just the way that I speak, but also 
understand the process and understand, yeah, you know what? This is actually stuck in, you know, sticking in my mind now and I know what I need to do. And they see the outcome of it. So there has been a lot of good moments, but I think in performance wise, I think that has to top it. I mean, I don't I can't think of anyone that's in my career that's bowled two two maidens for two wickets, you know. You haven't seen Alex bowl yet. No, of course not. Yeah. Well, now that could be a different story, you know. That that good great moment can change. <laughs> there you go. Honestly, it's just like we've said it so many times, the word passion, and I need to think of a new word yeah. because the more you say it, the less value it has. But you are just so passionate and it is infectious. It's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's just the love of the game. You know, I've just really, I really had that passion as well to sort of, you know, I really want people to understand that you don't have to play the game to a high level to be a successful coach. Now, you know, as Alex would know as well, you know, back home, it's literally like all about, oh, how many games have you played? Have you played first-class cricket? You know, I mean, literally all the roles that the BCCI put out, it's like, how many test matches have you played? And it's like, chill out. Like, it's not all about... So I remember in my my official press conference that I had here, one of the reporters said, you know, there was 12 candidates for the finalists for this job, some of which who were ex-cricketers, ex-Kenyan great cricketers and stuff. And, and you sort of you sort of overdid it. And it, and, it, and, and it wasn't a question that was directed to me. It was directed to the CEO. So I literally waited till he finished saying, and I said, well, hold on, I just want to add to that. Not great players make great coaches and not, you know, and you don't, I'm understanding that concept, you know, that because in this part of the world, it's the same thing. Oh, have you played? Okay, yeah, you can coach. And it's like, yeah, I've played cricket, but not to a high level, you know, and to be able to, I've been very fortunate that I've had these opportunities, you know, and, and being able to work in different climates and, and different environments and, you know, and just being able to understand that. And I think is a, it's a big thing, especially within the Asian environment, you know, oh, coach, did you play county cricket? I'm like, uh, no. I was like, what's that going to do? You know, I was like, I literally even told the reporter, I said, am I here to play for the Uganda women's team or am I here to coach for the Uganda women's team? You know, I said, talk about my coaching. You know, you don't need to talk about my playing career. I think that's what's so lovely about you and about your passion for the Uganda women's cricket team. And also, I think Mitchell Stark needs to watch out because his nice guy title might be taken by you because he also did something similar. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's definitely a title which I get given from a few people. So I've heard heard it before. Don't worry, Alex. (laughs) Well, we probably don't need to keep you for any more of your evening because you've one or other of us is going to write a battery or power or yeah. is going to get bored of us. But honestly, this has been one point. of the most amazing chats I think we've had. And we've had some pretty cool people. So, you know, you're up Thank there. You and it's been amazing. And like I said before, we really, really want to stay in touch and see what we can do yeah. for you and how we can all work together because this is what the game is about. And Uganda, um, Uganda, you know, you're on the up. And then we'll see you in Birmingham next year. We'll head off down oh, the definitely. canals or whatever we can go do in Birmingham. You can show us around. Yeah, I could take the girls to a cheeky Nando's or something like that. You know, it'd be really great. <laughs> you know you're just going to end up in KFC. You've already put that one in there. <laughs> Thank you wow. for having me. It's really, I've really enjoyed it as well. And we should definitely keep in touch and see what we can do in the future, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's honestly, it's been just amazing. And thank you so much Thank for coming you. on and dealing with... We've been through power outages. We've been through everything. We've been through traffic in Uganda. And it's <laughs> so worth it. Thank you so much. 100%. Thank you very much. If there's anything I can do for you, ladies, just do drop me a message and I'm happy to help. All right.
We will do. Just quickly, where can our listeners find you on social media if they want to follow the Uganda women's team, want to follow you, and if they want to help out with donating money for equipment or donating equipment? Instagram is probably the best thing. Twitter, I've literally, I'm four months into having Twitter because I never, ever had it. And now, I mean, it's it's such a crazy platform for me. I just, everything I put on Instagram, I just say post to Twitter and found out that it doesn't actually post. It just gives the link. So, so for four months, I've just been doing that. And so, yeah, your, in, your Instagram is coach.s.k? Yes. yes, it's that handsome fella right there in the corner. <laughs> for all those people that can see on our podcast. <laughs> yeah that's the one it's, it's me with my hands folded like that yeah mm, we'll get we'll get sharing on that one okay yeah so that's that's the only sort of platform that i'm really sort of good at otherwise cool well thank you so much and have a lovely evening and please keep doing what you're doing because it's incredible brilliant thank you so much thank you very much for the support as well take care bye-bye thank you massive thank you to Siraj for coming on and being a guest on the podcast this is why we set up women's cricket chat to be able to put importance on stories in women's cricket not just in England but around the world and it's so great to see how passionate he is about Uganda and Uganda women's cricket we need more people like Siraj in the world quite frankly And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at WCricketChat, on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. If you'd like to give our personal Twitters a follow, then it's at Hannity1194, at GeorgieHeath27, at CassieCoombs98, and I'm at Alex Jane Pereira on Twitter. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time.